If the audience can't follow what it is that's happening, you've succeeded, I think, as an artist in that way. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's how we should view this podcast. <laughs> if we could run as many non sequiturs together as possible so that people can't follow what's happening, then I've, I feel like that we've, we've really hit top-notch material there. Content, baby, content. Everything is content. The centipede <laughs> of content. Everything is content. I, uh, when I woke up this morning and, uh, and my chest hurt and I, you know, I had a bit of trouble breathing, that's content. That's all good. We can sell that. I can market that if I want. I can put that on social media. Hey, guys, can't breathe. Everyone's like, have you had a COVID test? I haven't had a COVID test. Thanks for asking. And that's also content. <laughs> Speaking of content, welcome everybody to the Music and Everything podcast. We're all about looking into a topic, theme, concept, hobby, profession, or passion and find out what it is that makes it sing. We want to find some new love for new things. Thanks for joining us. My name is Jim Gray. I'm one of your three regular hosts for the program. You might know me from some of my work as a prog metal singer slash songwriter with the band's Caligula's Horse or Arcane. And if you don't, you might remember me from when I introduced myself just now. To my right, I'm joined by our second of three hosts for the podcast, the one and only Sam Gray. Sam, how are you doing? Hello, I am Sam Gray. Yes, good to meet you. It's good to meet you too, brother. Brother, yes. <laughs> Tell people that aren't related to you directly <laughs> by blood uh, who the fuck you are, Sam. Uh, my name's Sam, I'm a PhD candidate uh, in political science. And my research is something you're not going to hear about on this podcast very much, but it looks about... It looks about and it finds its way. <laughs> um, yeah, my research looks at social media and election campaigns and how that contributes to political polarization, which in other words, is different ways that humans can tear their society apart with the oh forces God. built deep in the human psyche. Uh, so enough about that. Yeah, because I mean, ideally this, this podcast remains positive, doesn't it, Sam? It does. It does. A happy podcast. So... Um, stop that, because uh, that's unreasonable. Uh, to my left, I'm joined by our third regular host for the podcast, the other one and only Sam Gray. Samantha, how are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Not too bad, some might say. Not too bad. That's a very Aussie response yeah, to that thank question. thank you, thank you. Why don't you tell the good people about yourself? Uh, I'm also Sam Gray. I'm wife of Sam Gray. Ah. Yes. That's... Oh my God. I mean, I knew that. <laughs> yes. Right. But, and but so any... that's why I'm feigning surprise. Yes. Oh, wow, oh, what wow, a shock what a... to the system. And I'm also a PhD candidate. Okay. Um, and I study history and I look, again, a topic that will not enter the podcast space. Uh, looking at the treatment or mistreatment of women by medical institutions in the past. So, like, not, again, not very positive or happy. Not entirely positive at all. No. You guys are bringing me down. <laughs> Stop it. Sorry. So thanks for joining us, everybody. We hope that you enjoy what's about to come next, which is the pilot episode that we recorded mid to late last year when we first decided to sit down together and kick this thing off. So thank you again for joining us. And we hope you enjoy. Tasmanian joke? Is it too early in the podcast? Well, I mean, it depends. Can you get cancelled from like a, a <laughs> one region? Of Australia? I mean, it's a lovely region of Australia. It is a lovely place. And um, 
They're not inbred, no matter what, <laughs> no matter what people say. It's a myth. I don't know why everyone says that. So we're here to talk about a particular subject, episode one. What's our subject for this uh, this episode? For this play. 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 That's fun. Yeah. Play it start. again, Sam. Play. That's not even the quote, is it? No, it's not. It's play it, Sam. Yeah. I think the actual uh, sort of misunderstood quote is from Groucho Marx, actually. I have no idea what you two are talking about. <laughs> play it, Sam, is a quote from the movie Casablanca. Am I right? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that with some com- I'm going to say that with the confidence of an average cishet white person. Yeah, uh, brilliant. Live that, and, live that uh, truth. And my maleness will, will carry me through this. Indeed. I have notes, but you just need... No, that's fine. I'm just going to wing it. Uh, <laughs> so it, yeah, it's from the movie Casablanca, and I think Groucho Marx did a skit about it and uh, played against Sam as part of his sort of like improv thing, and he uh, got it. the quote wrong, and that's yeah. what everybody quotes. So I would okay. love to hear from people, if you're listening to this, whether I'm talking shit <laughs> uh, throughout all of this. Corrections are required, in Requ- fact. Absolutely <laughs> necessary with this podcast. Thank you. So it's all about positive ignorance. Positive ignorance, yeah, because in the current uh, climate around the world, everything's a little bit fucking dark, isn't it? I mean, it's mm. a little bit bleak out there, so we're going to try and keep this wholesome. And when we cover topics from <laughs> Sam's PhD, Samuel's PhD, I should specify, mm. uh, we're going to try and keep that wholesome too, despite politics just being a fucking nightmare right now. And we're never going to talk about my PhD, and that is okay. <laughs> What's your PhD on, Sam? How medicine is sexist, essentially, but also also about infertility. It's it's a whole thing. Oh, we're covering that. <laughs> oh, don't you worry. Uh, so wholesome experience we're going to cover. Mm. Okay. Talk to me about infertility. I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> you have two children. I have done none of the research for this uh, because my role on the podcast is the useful idiot. Uh, oh, I thought it was good looks. Well, I mean, that doesn't really... That's, uh, thank you yeah. for starters. And second of all, this like face for radio vibe through this whole thing. <laughs> Uh, but tell me about play. Who goes first? I think I go first. Yay. Since I was chief investigator. Chief investigator? Yeah. <gasps> oh, my God. Oh, okay, yeah, we need to get badges too. for this. <laughs> no, we don't. Can they just be big blind and small blind from poker? No, we just we need iron on <laughs> no. patches. No, <laughs> we need fire wooden hats. Okay, so we'll make a hat, a one-size-fits-all that is chief investigator, and we'll yeah, move from there. it'll be brilliant. But anyway. Righto, chief, tell me what it's about. Play. Do you want a definition? Do you want etymology? Where do you want to start? Oh, oh my God, you. etymology? Do I mean, I don't things? actually have the etymology, <laughs> but I do have a definition. Well, put your cards on the table. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's multiple definitions of play, but from I think the most important two that I found was play is an activity in which you ga- engage in for enjoyment or recreation. And then an alternate one is imaginative, engaging in a sense of imaginative pretense. So oh. it's based in joy. It's based in fun. Um, and so when talking about things like play, we we think of the disconnect between play and sport, I think is pretty evident in the definition mm-hmm. because it actually definitively says that it's not to be applied to serious or practical purposes. I'm going to go ahead and disagree with that. Brilliant. This is exactly <laughs> the whole point. This is the whole point. Yeah. Uh, purely because I, I feel like play with rules mm. is adult play that doesn't involve pixelation of any kind. Um, <laughs> I think, <laughs> I feel, yeah, because, you know, I mean, if you're looking at, at, okay, let's talk baseball for a second because I'm a baseball fan. Of course. Like there are so many rules and numbers. I don't even pay attention to the numbers because numbers make me nauseous on the whole. Mm. But like 
you know, watching watching a game of baseball, there's so many rules, and it's it's like kids play this. This is a child's game, but applied to an, in an adult context, it's like you focus on all these other very serious things, and people are paid insane amounts of money to do it. And it's like that is applying it to a serious context, but it doesn't stop it being play. Oh, and we'll definitely. We'll come back to that, I think. Oh, we'll do an episode on sports. Yeah, Let's do fucking yeah. a whole episode on baseball. Yeah. yeah. No, that'd be dope. Yeah. I actually do have the etymology for play as well, if you do, if you're interested, because I think it's it does it Oh, does, you've looked it up. I've Give us the whole paragraph. Like <laughs> so it comes from the hey, middle Siri. It comes from the Middle English word pleian. Yeah, okay. we'll go with that. Yeah, nice. And it Plan. just it literally just means <laughs> move lightly and quickly, occupy or busy oneself, amuse oneself. All right. So that's a nice sort of way of thinking about it, actually. I mean, it's almost immediately sexual, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, brisk. Brisk, yeah. <laughs> that's been my experience. <laughs> well. We can do a whole episode on that. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> put that. We'll put a pin in that. Okay. But I think the other thing that was really interesting in looking up, like, what is play? The question of what is play is that there was also a lot of discussion around difference between play and ritual. Mm. And play in ritual. So, like, if we're thinking like ancient uh, Greek rituals in like uh, like ritual worship, worship or something like that, mm. there are sometimes integrated into that elements of play. Like, mm. um, I think of the um, I don't know what the name of the festival is, but the festival of Dionysus, mm-hmm. the Bacchus festival. There are elements of game and play and fun in that kind of ritualistic setting. So I, I but it's a kind of like bacchanalian revel. Yeah, of. it's kind of gets she gets wild. Yeah. Well, even the Olympic games as yeah. well. That's like it's sport. But if you're applying our modern definition of sport to the ancient Olympics, it feels really, really weird. Yes. Um, because Why? it was it was about worshiping Zeus. <laughs> it was it was warfare. By showing off oh, simulated warfare. True. God, I'm an idiot. And the male body. <laughs> I have Wait, studied what? ancient Oh, Olympus. See, like, yeah. did you just not know? <laughs> no, no. Turns out I'm a moron. Yeah. <laughs> We're yeah. positively morons. But I, yeah. We're learning today on the podcast. And I think like Olympics is a really great example, actually, because there are elements within the Olympics, even the ancient Olympics and the modern Olympics as well. There's sports that are very, very serious. Like archery has a serious tone to it. Um, but then when you watch something like the steeplechase... Uh, that shit's hilarious. That's treating people like horses and <laughs> equestrian so is teach, treating horses like people. That, oh, that's, that was my experience watching the Olympics The modern pentathlon is the most wild <laughs> sport, and I'm yeah. using air quotes because it's just a collection of fun activities. So what's the modern pentathlon? So it's it's equestrian fencing and then it's a laser gun race. It's a what? So you shoot yeah, we're not at kidding. a target <laughs> and then you run 800 metres and then you shoot at a target and you do that for and they don't give you real guns like in the no, in the Olympics? No, it's laser guns. It's laser guns. See, that's boring though. Yeah, I know. That's just point and click, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, I'm, yes. I, I'm, I'm choosing to believe that I would be good at this. I want to believe With I'm good at it. zero yeah, fitness or experience. Yeah, but like I feel like when you put like shooting, like rifle shooting mm-hmm. versus that Laser tag. Laser tag. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. But I think the, the key thing about something like that event is that it looks really fun. All of that is fun. <laughs> but I mean, like you, the first two you listed, like equestrian and fencing, that's just rich people stuff. Yeah, that's rich. Yeah. Well, what it, actually, the Monteth Pentathlon was developed to replicate the activities that a cavalry officer would need to know before going into war. I think it was French cavalry. <laughs> Which, of course, included laser tag. <laughs> <laughs> I think the laser tag is new. <laughs> right. I think the laser tag is a, is a twist. It used to be much more harsh. Napoleonic laser tag was brutal. <laughs> yeah, they didn't have lasers. So yeah, like in a way, like the difference between play and sport, like 
a lot of people have surely thought about this more than us, right? But there's that ritual element as well. Like it's mm. kind of ritualized even now. Yes. Yeah. Like we were just describing the modern pentathlon, and a lot of it sounds like a really fun thing to do with like, a, like for a school fate. Mm. <laughs> but it's ritualized into competition. I hadn't thought about that because then there's all the the tribalism of support mm. for sport as well. Like, you know, yeah. your team and all of that sort of stuff. But there is a question from that though. Like what, in what way, like, okay, so we, I'll finish the sentence at some point. <laughs> Would you consider appreciation of sport, like spectation? Is that a word? Yes. You could say spectatorship, I guess. Anyway. I'm gonna, I should say like spectation. <laughs> Spectatorishness. <laughs> Would you consider the appreciation of sport in that way, being a spectator, to be a form of play? Yes. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's almost like getting towards role play. Well, because you're because <laughs> you're the armchair expert. It's like he's bloody dickhead. He's been doing it all day. I Just th- pass left, you fucking yeah. Well, I do think that there's an element of sport in which there is an entertainment value. There's a there's an both for the person. So like when we're talking about the concept of sport, like you have to both want to play the sport. So you want to be like entertained by the activity, but there also is an entertainment component of sport that maybe isn't there with play in the same mm. way. Although, oh, I guess it depends on context. You know, yeah. I quite like watching my daughters play, but that's yeah. extreme bias. Because <laughs> you love your children. Because I, I am the seed from which they sprung. But I do mm. think the other the other interesting thing that comes up when you think about play I is I wanted to make you think about my seat. <laughs> why did you say it that way? <laughs> <laughs> why would you why would you use those words? Um, but it's the age factor. Okay. So when we think about play, you immediately age the like when you're describing mm. an event and you describe it as play, you age everybody down. Everyone becomes mm. younger and when you're talking about sport, everyone gets older. So I do think that there's an element there in which play because also like young men used to participate in things like the Olympics and the ancient mm. Olympics. And so that would be sport. And then all of a sudden, like anything that a young person is participating in sort of becomes play. But does that mean that it's kind of pejorative to refer to it as that because it's saying it's kind of juvenile? Well, that's what I want to, that's kind of what I want to think about because I think that when I conceptualize the concept of play and like even in the discussion about like playing video games, Mm-hmm. It sort of is like conceptualized as like a waste of time or like a futile recreational use. Oh, I think less and less now. Now, yeah, With the but, rise but of like, Twitch I, and, and yeah, streamers but like, and all of that. There's a whole generation of people who are outdated. Oh, but they'll be gone soon. Yeah. So. I think consistently, though, the definition of play when differentiate it from serious things in adults mm. is always about play being something that's a frivolous use of time, like mm. it's a waste of time sort yes. of thing. Um, and yeah, like why can't time be wasted? <laughs> yeah, exactly, well, yeah. and that's that's pretty much just like a social norm, mm. um, and it's it's it is pretty consistent. On fucking <laughs> capitalism, Sam. And I, we, How did we're we gonna, get here so you, quickly? You shut your goddamn because okay, and hear me out. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. No, ca- so capitalism like, drives you to think that everything that you need to be doing yeah. is m- must be productive at all mm. times, and so anything that you're doing for recreation or a waste of time is considered a waste and you not being productive towards society. And I despise that concept. Oh, yeah, I hate it too. Yeah, the I mean, rich. there's another element too that like inherently adulthood, pretty much in any system, um, could you, it is harder <laughs> mm. and you kind of have less time and you don't want to waste it as much. Yeah. But like it's still this idea of play is dominantly childhood, children. right? It's children, we think about children. Yeah. So like what about playing children? 
Well, I think play in children is really interesting because there's obviously a lot of sociological research, a lot of psychological research, a lot of educational research around play. Um, there's a lot of different components which play kind of interacts in in interesting ways. I'm just very loudly flip my page for absolutely no reason. <laughs> Using paper, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm an environmentalist. What can I say? The year is 2021. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't read off screens, Jim. I see. Um, but anyway, there, there is a strong connection between play and development. And I think that, um, well, Samuel's got some interesting mm-hmm. information about non-human animals, which is an interesting phrase to say, um, other animals. <laughs> um, but in humans, it's an important part of like learning and community building. And I think that's a really interesting thing, kind of going back to sport and play mm. and ritual is like how much is play and incorp- like incorporates this idea of community building and, and self-identity and self mm. in, within a community. And I think- Well, I mean, think about your typical kind of like office trust exercise yeah, vibe oh. thing. It's just like, oh, we're all going to play- Watches, <laughs> paper, know, and pens. Yeah. I've never worked in an office. Does this stuff actually happen? We I, don't work in <laughs> conventional offices either, yeah. so- I've never had a grown-up job. <laughs> either. <laughs> it's such a shame. But I do think like, but you're getting to a point there. Uh, what's the point you're making? Christ knows. <laughs> <laughs> you're asking the wrong guy. Um, it was that um, oh, play creates group identity. Yeah, yeah, so like sport, competition, you create a community with the team that you're on against the, the team that's the opposite team. Mm. And so it fosters this identity of in and out. And like you can speak to this whole theory. Yeah, I mean, if you think about like kids um, playing, like let's take like a stereotypical one, which is a pretty stereotypical male one, but like um, human kids and also kids of other animals play wrestling. Um mm. So, like, play wrestling, like, it actually um, makes it more likely for um, that kind of social group to stay together oh. in the past. Like, this, like this is a, humans are kind of tribal animals. Like, mm. we've always been social animals in groups throughout history. Like, and so, like, young humans, but also adult humans potentially, playing together would have been really integral to keeping a group alive. Well, I suppose the other thing when we're talking about sport is like we sort of went immediately to kind of professional sport, but there's also like the social sport element. Like at our, um, the university that we work out, we, there you can engage in social sport within like the office and stuff like that. They, they have netball teams where they play social netball. I just pictured you guys football. playing football in the office. <laughs> in the office. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. It's, it's a big it's enough- why we can't have expensive things in the yeah, office. Just, and, it's, it's just like, yeah, it's why the office party was moved out of the office. Um, but there is a really, um, I do, you do sort of forget about that element of playfulness that is mm. playing things like going down and playing cricket with your friends at the park. Well, and I mean, stuff there's like that, that cliche of the plays together stays together vibe. You know what I mean? But it's yeah. cool to think that that is actually like <laughs> quite genuinely yeah. justified yeah. research. Family that plays together stays together. That's disgusting. And they fucking better. But in terms of but in terms of children, economy. <laughs> the interesting thing in the research in regards to human children uh, around play is it actually is fundamental in developing language and social skills. Yeah, because learning in any other way is boring. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a key thing as well of like, and there's a lot of lot of research going into basically throwing out the curriculum up until high school and starting again and incorporating play into the curriculum up until like high school. Would writing a mnemonic for like remembering something be a form of play in learning? I think it's quite playful and I think it's creative and I think that's a key, mm. that's a key component of mm. play is like there's an element of imagination, like that imaginative pretense concept 
of like engaging in this yeah. like, use of your imagination. Like I still use Never Eat Soggy Wheat Bix as North East South West because like East and West always confounds me still to this day. So I have to literally think those things to get that. And like the music ones, like uh, Musical Stave. Like, mm-hmm. like, boy deserves yeah, fruit, I was going to say that. that every, yeah. yeah. It's or is classic. it fudge? Most people say fudge, but I think I got the, the healthier version. I got the healthy version too from my school. No red nice. foods, you know. And I'm not obese. And I'm a poor musician. <laughs> you had all that fruit. Both financially and in terms of my skill. But there were some key things that like was kind of wild in looking at like language development and social connection. And just like them, not even just like play as a class because there's there's discussions and a whole parenting and schooling thought process of like the Montessori method of like allowing kids to independently play and learn at the same time. But just having like designated playing time in like preschool and early years, like strengthens neural pathways, improves memory, teaches self-regulation, like all of these things that are really helpful for a child to sort of get at an early age. And there's a lot of discussion about how this sort of because you also, there's a lot of questions around like when do children stop kind of playing and start engaging in these structured activities of sport and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, and, and how much of that is, is sort of put upon them as Yeah, well. and I would argue all of it is put upon them. Mm. Well, it's like one part of the, the definition that keeps coming up and there's so many definitions of play, but one of them is spont- spontaneity. Mm. It's like it being spontaneous. And it being rep- re- repeated, mm. but never repeated exactly the same way. Yes. It's not like you're learning doing something by rote. Mm. Um. And it's interesting because in the in the studies about animals, they're saying they're like, well, that's how do you teach for unknown scenarios? How do you teach a lion cub to be ready for an unexpected predator, but to have a different form of play for that situation? Improv class, <laughs> essentially. <laughs> yes, Theater and sport. run <laughs> for your life. No, but I mean, I, I, th- like that's only half a joke and not a good one. Uh, but like, <laughs> because I feel like improv is such an essential skill for people to learn as adults because, I mean, it, it's like when I'm when I'm teaching my daughter about being silly mm. and how important it is to be silly mm. and to be able to cast aside kind of any thought of seriousness because silliness is stimulus response. Mm. You know, it's like something happens and you kind of respond in an angular way or in whatever way takes your fancy because then if, if you're trying to take it too seriously, you're not going to be able to respond in a situation. And I find like one of the skills that I developed as a performer is that stimulus response. It's mm. just, you know, like when I'm performing live, I love interacting with the crowd. I like hecklers. You know, we always have a fun time with that because I'm confident in my ability to um, play, mm. to improvise. And I kind of see myself as a bit of a man-child and I think most people do as well. Um, <laughs> and fair enough. Because like I like to maintain an element of childishness. Mm. Or actually it's funny because this is almost like a quote from Michael Jackson, which is probably inappropriate. <laughs> but like... He used to refer to being childlike rather than childish. Yeah. Mm. And and I think that that's exactly how I like to kind of go about my life because that means that everything that I'm doing is a form of play and kind of utterly pointless, much like this podcast. Yay, we're doing it for fun. Yeah, and <laughs> I See, do, this is an adult play. Yeah, I do think about that a lot too because there's always that question that always comes up about, you know, when people get into high school, when do they lose their sense of curiosity? When do they lose their sense of... Um, fun. They mm. they all of a sudden like every fourteen year old, myself included, very serious. Gets very serious about the world very quickly, and they don't want to engage in things that they previously enjoyed. You want to sit at the grown ups table. Yeah, you exactly. You, yeah, exactly. Mm. But I do think like how much of that is is put upon them, as you said. And mm. I think that there's an element there of like there is a literal year 
and it's year three where play is no longer incorporated into the classroom. For anyone listening overseas, what age group is that? So you're eight okay. years old mm-hmm. and you get your lunch break, which is like a 30 minute and a 45 minute, I think, at public schools. Don't know what they do at private schools. Don't ask me. I don't remember anything. Cool. About this. <laughs> Brilliant. But I do, I, you do, I, you sort of think about the classroom when you're at that age. And I have some memories being the youngest member of this podcast. Uh, <laughs> just a little flex there, but uh, uh, being the- Yeah, but I mean, it, it would be a flex if you think being young is good. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good good point. Which yeah. is an old person's attitude. <laughs> but I do, you do No think, one's winning here. You do think about like going, <laughs> thinking back to school in year one, two, and three, and I have very, very vague memories of year one. But I do remember year three being the year that you're just like, you're sitting at your desk and you're learning about tectonics and volcanoes. Mostly volcanoes. Super sick topics. Like we'll talk about volcanoes. In Genuinely surprised at how few <laughs> volcanoes I came across as an adult. Given, <laughs> I mean, you given them just the focus on them in school. They were really concerned. Um, and you, you learned a whole bunch of stuff, but there wasn't really any sort of activities that you were doing or play or anything like that. It was mm. all kind of structured really learning. studious. And then you're kind of cast into the wild. It's like, yeah. I love it. Back in the day, because I went to school in the 90s, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a cigarette up here in your mouth in that moment. <laughs> and it became distinctly more ocker as well, yeah. as you said, back in amazing. the 90s. But like, yeah, fuck they, they would just cast you out. That, that was teacher alone time. Like, yeah. they had little lunch, big lunch. And you go and you just get cast out into the wild and it's just play what you want, just don't talk to me for a while. <laughs> and I, I, I love that it's, you know, that's when you're out there doing the thing that would normally make you learn the most. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then come back in and have your brain put in a square hole. Yeah, because uh, I do think about that. Like um, one of the big things with the play-based learning, which a lot of other countries are sort of experimenting with, is like kids learn, you know, children learn better if they have a practical hands-on engagement with what they're learning about. So like, I don't know what the curriculum is Trip like. Trip to the abattoir. <laughs> I don't know what the, uh, the curriculum is like in year one with your daughter, but like, I'm assuming that they have a lot of interactive educational formats. Oh, they do now. It's very Yeah, different. which is very, very They good. also have a break, like first thing in the morning for a piece of fruit. Love that. Which is just like, oh, really? we've all been there. You know, yeah. it's like you hit 10 a.m. and they're just like, the children are not listening. Give child banana. <laughs> <laughs> Give child banana. Child brainwork. <laughs> I genuinely think I take that break. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, I think at like about 10 o'clock, I'm just like, Ugh. You fucking should. <laughs> I just went, read 16 emails. I'm going to have like a yeah, banana. But- so when the kids get to their 16th email, that's when they, <laughs> they literally call it brain break. Oh, kids have Outlook accounts these days. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what. But I, think I will tell you what. We should do a whole episode on the phrase, I'll tell you what. Look, I'll tell you what. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the key thing that they found is like, if you're trying to teach, like you could teach young kids concepts of physics if you get them on a swing and you let them experience the concept of gravitational force and velocity and momentum and wind resistance and all of that. Just make it not boring. Yeah, well, they get to fucking be on a swing. That's fun. That's so sick. Yeah. Did and you like, do that at university? It's pretty fun. University physics is Can we talk about this? So like obviously <laughs> playgrounds are integrated into schools because play is a great way to get kids to get rid of energy and make them focus in the classroom. That's the only reason they're a playground. Go get the learning tool out of your system before coming (laughs) back and learning. And then you get to high school, no fucking playgrounds. And then universities where you really could use a playground, can (laughs) I say, um, no playgrounds. And I think we need to incorporate playgrounds into university education. Like a bouldering wall or something? Like a hard playground. Okay, (laughs) so that's the thing. I've noticed this in Australian culture a great deal. And that is that as an adult, if you're engaging in a recreational activity, it has to be 
extremely serious and in the most adult way possible. And yes. I think mm. that cycling is probably the perfect example oh. of that. Mm. You can't go and potter about on your little cute bike with a basket on the front <laughs> as an adult. As a 35-year-old, no. Have, get, strap yourself into the fucking lycra. <laughs> yeah. You wedge yourself into oblivion and then just get your speed bike and hoon around in front of trucks and just see what happens to your body. Like that's the, that is the way that Australian adults are meant to interact with with play stuff. So, for yeah. example, you say that you should chuck a playground at UQ, you know, yeah. and at this university, and it, all it's going to be is like a parkour gym. You know, or like a climbing wall or something where people will be able to go and what take it seriously. And it will ostracize people from wanting to be involved in it. Yeah, that's mm. true. What I actually want is a slide that goes from the top of Forgan Smith Tower and spirals down <laughs> onto the Great Court. It's what I was picturing, but you're Sandstone probably right. Colored, of course. Sandstone, match the match building. Match the aesthetic. <laughs> Sandstone, so you get destroyed <laughs> yeah. on the way down. Sandstone slide. <laughs> you have it's to bring ancient vibes. It's, like, it's like a metal slide. Except it doesn't burn you, it just removes skin. What yes. everyone needs at a university is a slide, a fireman's pole, and of course, a big tarpaulin with a whole bunch of like uh, dishwashing liquid. <laughs> And just do the big dive and slide across. Yes! Oh my god! You've got. You're absolutely so you don't right. need a formal playground because all that's going to do is turn into uh, an exclusive club for people doing yeah. chin ups and mm. muscle ups and shit. But yeah, I think the other thing was like um, movement and, and like the joke that I made about getting the energy out of children. But you know, we know. I mean, from from experiences being an auntie, children have a lot of energy. Too much. Too much energy, and so like if you can integrate a way for them to get that energy out. As well as As learning. well as learn. Mm. That's a really great idea. And this reminded me of something from my, like, primary school when I was in year seven. I, for my sport, because I wasn't, mm. you know, doing a PhD, one would expect me to not be a very athletic person. You're a dork, yep. True. <laughs> but I helped the year ones in their gross motor skills. They do have gross motor skills. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is gross. But what they mean by gross motor skills is balance, like, like big activities rather mm -hmm. than fine activities. And I sort of think about that activity looking back and I'm like, that is a form of like play learning because they're like learning how to balance, but they're also, yeah. they're learning about like the world and yeah, the environment around them. Yeah, interacting with the space, yeah. And I remember doing that and it was so much fun. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not sure if they still do this in schools. Because there's there's a reason why like play like that is more common in in youth, uh, like young of all of these mammals, right, mm. that play is because that's the point where, you know, brains are developing and bodies are developing and the need for that coordination is developing. Mm, yeah. So it's um, it's called locomotor play, I think. I'm not sure if we can apply that to humans, but, you know, like... I think we can because it's teaching them how to balance. It's keeping them how... It, like. I mean, obviously that's true. <laughs> like, And there's some of that play, that category is just kind of like run around. Mm. The way kids sometimes want to do. There's no role play. Go Is there any away. role play in this? <laughs> Is there any puzzle in this? It's like, no, I just want to run back and forth and scream for a while. Yeah, like what? What are the rules <laughs> of this game? Excuse me. <laughs> well, I think that's the other really interesting thing about play. The distinction between play and sport is that mm. like play allows for that creativity. And so, if something has been like demarcated as sport, you can't, you can't actually like go outside the boundaries of that activity, if that makes sense. Like, it's very difficult for you to say you're playing, what's a, what's a sport? Yeah, what's a sport? <laughs> what's what a is sport? a sport? That's an episode for another time. How about what cricket? Is? So you're playing netball, right? You and you've got strict, strict, well, I, I've played netball. Um, you've got strict rules. That you can't, mm -hmm. like, you can't dribble. You can't do things like that in that sport. And yeah. you can't create, like, creatively go outside the bounds of that sport. But I actually think the fun of that 
is being figuring out how to play the game within the confines, within the confines of, the, of the rule and be creative within the confines of the rule. And that's a very adult thing. Mm. You know, that's like a that's to do with like cognitive processing yes. and and, yeah. and critical thinking, thinking on the spot. But that's you're doing so well. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like we've been talking about sport, but there's it's another thing that's a part of that that's not you know nominally the same thing, which is games. Mm, oh um, my goodness! Yeah. So like, if you're talking about like you're kind of playing within the structure. Games are a really great example of that. Yes, like chess. Like start, start with, yeah, chess. Yeah, start with chess. You're taking words out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> um, you start with chess because there's just like this unfathomable number of patterns and you're sort of playing within them. Um, yeah, and it is play. Yeah, and it is playful, even though it is like structured and sometimes very serious and is categorically, according to like the International Olympic Committee, it's a sport. But then it's you know this is a game you can play in your house all around the world. It's boring to watch. <laughs> um, the Queen's Gambit has dictated that is not the case. <laughs> yeah, but that's just like pretty people in a show, isn't it? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, but I think that's a really interesting point, and I think we could definitely talk about games. But I think the really interesting thing, when also looking at the concept of how children and how people play, is um, the sort of consistency of the same sorts of games and playful activities that people mm. engage in. So, like peekaboo. Mm. You're, you I was know, doing my, that this morning. You did that with your <laughs> with your daughter. I'm certain that your parents did that with you, and their parents did that with them. And it's sort of like this really consistent game, this consistent behavior that somehow keeps persisting. But I mean, it's teaching yes. object permanence, right? Because yeah. like obviously, babies assume that you're gone, mm-hmm. yeah, um, and that you don't love them. And sometimes <laughs> both of those things are true. But it's important to teach them that it's okay. They can be strong without that fear. Well done. I don't, I'm not sure it teaches them that. I, don't think <laughs> that. I was going to ask something about an- animals yes. um, mm-hmm. before Sam, mm-hmm. Samuel. Um, in that, you know, is it part of our animal nature to start taking things too seriously as an adult and not play anymore? Because the like in the wild, the role, say, of a lion, right? Mm. You know, you're wrestling, you're playing, you're a, a cub Mm. Is it cub? Mm-hmm. It's cub, lion cub. Nailed nice. it. Fuck yeah. Should have just been confident. That yeah. white and they're so energy. snuggly. Damn it. They are really cuddly. Let's, just, let's just edit it out. Redo it. Redo the take. No, I will never. <laughs> See, this is the white man in me. I was like, I will never choose to be wrong. Uh, <laughs> but no, like, so, you know, as you, uh, you grow as this lion cub, you know, you stop wrestling and now you're in charge of looking out for other predators and for prey and all this stuff. You're too Mm. fucking busy to be Mm. mucking about and playing. But like the luck that we have, like the privilege that we have as a, you know, self-aware thinking critical species and having brought ourselves to this position where, you know, we can sit in an apartment and record a podcast. um, We don't have to look out for predators as much and we don't mm. have to do all of that stuff. So it's it's almost like the uniqueness of adult play yeah. could mm. be unique to humans in a way. Yeah, I'm spitballing. Well, it's just the... It seems like that there is adult play in the sort of animal kingdom. Um, it's just less frequent and r- much less frequent. Like it's ad- dominantly your adult mammals in, you know, a lion... Pack. I mean, we keep coming back to lions, but they're, <laughs> yeah, they're not so snuggly um, until they're angry at you. Um, like, but, like other cats, like each <laughs> and every other cat. Yeah, you're right. That's just literally all cats, isn't mm. it? Um, yeah, but you know, the, the, the dominant explanation is just that there's no time. That there's no time, there's no energy to spend on that because you're busy. You have to hunt for you and 
um, cubs that haven't been born yet and here's cubs my thing that have with, been Here's born my thing yet. with lion capitalism, all right? You got to hear this. <laughs> <laughs> I have some serious thoughts about this. But no, but what you he said is interesting it. because he said that, you know, it's the, it could be uniquely human that adult play in this complexity can exist. And that could be right, right? I just thought that lions could literally eat the rich. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm no longer listening because of my dumb joke. What could be uniquely human is the fact that we find other ways to stop adults from playing that have nothing to do with not having time, mm. nothing to do with needing to hunt for resources. These generational hand-me-downs of take this seriously, please. please yeah. The, the crushing nine-to-five schedule and then... Um, you know, like, yeah, because you can sort of rationalize the fact that it's like, yeah, you like uh, you've only got so much energy, and you have to hunt for your food, and also you have, you know, I mean, we're talking about lions, the lionesses are the real shit. So like, we need to stop talking about lions. How do you feel about the term animal kingdom, by the way? <laughs> oh, that's a whole other. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. But I do think that there's an element there of like the amount of energy that goes into creating life and hunting and then caring for the young, but also just like the constant fear and survival mechanism mm. that you need to engage in means that you really have to be either of an of an intelligence level of like say dolphins mm. where they choose to have fun despite still needing to do all of those things. <laughs> dolphins are like the best example um, because they will have fun with anything. They will have a play, like object play, the same way that humans do. It's like that documentary. I don't remember which documentary Ocean you were Giants. watching. Ocean Giants, yes. It's There's sick. like they've put up a bubble machine that creates these rings that are in the water that come from the bottom of the floor up to the top and they sort of radiate out. And they just left them there for a while with dolphins nearby and left a camera there. And the dolphins came and they started inventing games to fly through the through the rings. And they did it for like, I don't know, four hours or something. Yeah, like way a really longer. long time. Yeah, longer than a human child would probably participate in a game. I remember a game that we played in the water once, Sam. And we and the thing is we were adults at this time. <laughs> where adult play. Where yeah, this is a form of <laughs> dumb adult play where we would jump into a pool and try to as quickly as possible form the posture of someone who had drowned and <laughs> And is floating on top of the water. So like as quickly as you possibly could land in the water and then be floating face down. And as if you had suddenly and inexplicably died. Instantly drowned. <laughs> um, but the the what's what's relevant about this, Sam, is that we did that for I think four hours straight. <laughs> So we were stupider than the dolphins, yeah. uh, but played for uh, equal amount. And of time. I think an interesting thing from that, as I, I remember this moment, was we also discovered something really interesting about the difference between men and women, mm -hmm. which is that men don't have float ass, and I think it's really important. <laughs> we do not have float ass. Men will sink, women will float, and they will float by the ass. That is a, it's a, fact. a truth that we discovered. True facts. Test it. Go home and test it. I'm not sure which animals could have float ass, but. <laughs> I know the baboons <laughs> for sure. They got that badonka dog. Well, this um, this you know, play that we're talking about in in different animals and why like dolphins and humans and stuff. It's just like you've got a the kinds of animals uh, with the kinds of situations that they face. So there's play in like the lions, which is just like a typical. If you, it's almost like if you go imagine animals playing, you imagine lions, um, like cubs like playing with each other and bapping each other's heads. That it's like purposeful play. Like it's almost just like it's training. There's always like it's play hunting mm. or it's play running mm -hmm. um, and it's play wrestling. And um, But when as soon as you get to sort of very intelligent animals and animals that face different like challenges, things get weird. <laughs> like humans or like orangutans 
I saw an orangutan once in a zoo uh, and she had just like a uh, like a big kind of cloth, the kind that you'd put, have in a moving truck and just put it over her head as like a kind of cape and just wore it as a hood and then just went up to annoy each of the other <laughs> orangutans who were just sort of dutifully going, yes, yes, whatever this is. Look at me, I am Bubushka. <laughs> and started swinging around with it, kind of screwing around and ended up sitting in like a large like truck tire, just like <laughs> as if her, her work had been done. Hmm. Um, so, you know, like that's... That's bizarre because it's it has that has what purpose could that possibly serve you know in your evolutionary psychology like what what purpose could that serve? And stimulus it's, response, improv, stimulus, yeah, improv and like and creativity, and that like you or have to actually. Or you saw the only insane orangutan. <laughs> Everyone's ignoring her because she would otherwise she'd just be out there holding a sign, you know. Yeah. The kind of problems humans face and the kind of problems dolphins and orangutans and um, fucking octopus, octo. Oh. octo Puses, octopi, octopen. I think it's octopuses actually, but you know. I think octopussy. it's octopuses, but I think we all agree collectively as a, as a society that's octopi. Because it's a Greek versus Latin thing and who gives a fuck? Yeah, um, I mean, oath. We don't, but you know, um, they're facing different challenges and they have to be creative in mm. solving them. Yeah, because there's that uh, from another amazing documentary. I don't know which one it is, but it was very good. They had the octopus... That like would hide itself in shells. Wonders and stuff. of life. Wonders of life Cox. by Professor Brian Cox. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. But like they they get creative, but I and they do engage in play. Actually, one of the things that's really interesting about octopi that I know <laughs> is that if you put them into captivity, which is just the stupidest thing because they will escape, they will just fuck with the other animals. They will literally <laughs> just they will escape and go into other tanks and fuck with the other animals. <laughs> or they'll just like they'll just wreck their enclosure. They'll like deliberately wreck the mechanisms that are keeping it clean. Like they just, they just were like, I chose, woke up and chose violence today. These every single day. puckish octopods. Like. Yeah, they're so, so weird. Mm. But they, and they'll, they like, they like playing, like they're like fiddling with things and like whether or not that's play, just kind of fiddling. It's like, or maybe they just have anxiety. I don't know. Well, that's the thing. So apparently most of the research on play in animals is on mammals. Um, because well, because it's kind of harder to identify it in like reptiles. Like I don't know if you if look at a or crocodile, it's just yeah. like it's so alien that it's just sort of like I don't is, know is if he's happy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's is like... sleep play? It is for me. <laughs> I'm a father of two. That's my. That's the funnest part of my day. I don't know. I feel it's like not, I, I definitely time. think <laughs> that. Um, yeah, reptiles play. I don't know. I don't know. Well, octopi will take any object. Are they not reptiles? Them. Yeah, no. I'm just saying, like non-mammal. Okay. Are they a vertebrate? I'm not they're sure. A Do they have bones? They're, got, a they're essentially a I know beak they're a surrounded by like a sack of goo and brain <laughs> with legs and brain. It's and just brain. Excitement <laughs> and drama. They're always like they grab an object and then they're dramatically. Yeah, they definitely the bring ocean. a lot of flair to. <laughs> this to podcast is now fun. about octopuses. <laughs> yeah. I saw a thing about an octopus on a documentary. I don't. It could have been one of the the deep blue ones. It was something narrated by uh, my main man David Attenborough. Um, was it Planet Earth? It, well, it could have been. I think it was like deep uh, uh, blue planet or something. Like one of the mm. ones that's like focusing entirely on the ocean. And I was like this shark looking for an, an octopus, and it gets it. Like it full on grabs the octopus, and it has it in its mouth. Mm. And the octopus proceeds to stick its uh, its all of its leggies into the gills of this shark oh and basically oh my God. just chokes it out until it's forced to let it go. So it's like, I'm sure at some point, you know, fiddling about with as many shells as it can at once <laughs> and learning to juggle is probably an assistance <laughs> in learning how to fully 
choke out an octopus. <laughs> uh, sorry, a shark. Yeah. <laughs> choke out another, another octopus, octopus with itself. And see, that is sport. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, consensual adult play. That yeah, because I think the, the other animal that's really important to discuss when talking about play is um, whales. The sound you're hearing is Sam filling a glass of water, not <laughs> urinating. <laughs> no matter how much it sounds like he's urinating, he's not. But I do think like whales. So like we've all had the privilege of seeing whales sort of either from a distance or very close up uh, do the thing that whales do where they jump out of the water and they mm. have their little tails and everything. And like you do wonder how practical that behaviour is. And like are they doing that for shits and gigs? Are they just doing it because it's fun or are Wouldn't they you, messaging? If you were just massive. <laughs> yeah, just like fling out into like feel gravity. All of us have at one point jumped into a pool and tried to make the biggest splash we possibly could. Yes, of course. <laughs> and if you were massive, <laughs> you would just do that more, I think. Yeah, but I do think that there is a communication element with it too. Check this out. Look yeah, at me. look at me splash. go. Splash. <laughs> <laughs> look at me splash. <laughs> but yeah, I think like whales are really interesting because they're I think that they're regarded as being quite intelligent, but not like dolphin intelligent. Like no hate to whales, obviously. Just want to make it very clear. We're a very pro-whale podcast. Yeah. But I I think that there's an element there of like practicality because we can't understand what they're trying to do. We just interpret it as them fucking around, but it could actually Mm. be a very, very serious thing that they're doing. Yeah, it's the ritual. We have (laughs) to do this otherwise, you know, the the ocean will turn to blood. (laughs) Yeah. They, They really could be protecting us from a lot of bad, bad karma just by doing that. I have to say, I think my favourite thing about the topic today has been how unifying it is, mm. like the mm. unity of play. Like we as adults, in a, as a self-aware, um, critical thinking species, are able to take play and help it grow up into sport and serious things. Um, but at the same time, it kind of unites us with our position within the animal kingdom as well. Yeah. Well, so you did you did bring up kind of like across countries and cultures and stuff just now, and I think it might be a nice one to finish on, is I have this memory uh, on my honeymoon, which is like, I should know this, about nine years ago, uh, we went to Vietnam and we, we were lucky enough to be able to go and stay in the far north, sort of trek through, you know, mountains and rice farms and all this beautiful terrain and stay with some of the um, sort of farmers and their families and things like that. And it was, it was a unique experience. It was fascinating and they were all really lovely. And we spoke to each other, you know, across a language barrier. Neither of us understood each other, but there was a really nice kind of unity to that. But I remember waking up one morning and um, sitting out underneath this, this wooden shack thing, looking at this insane view in this place that was like as foreign to me as I was to it. Like it, it couldn't be more distant from my city world mm. experience. And I was drinking a beer in the morning because it was my honeymoon and I don't give a fuck. Um, and I was looking over and the kids uh, of the family were out there playing essentially hopscotch or some variant. I don't know the rules of hopscotch. And the youngest boy, this was this was what connected me to this thing. The youngest boy was fucking cheating. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I didn't know the rules, but I could tell he was cheating because of how much he was testing his older sister's patience mm. <laughs> and you could just see her getting increasingly kind of eyes closed it's okay and let's keep going but for that moment it was like there was the most familiar thing ever mm. so it's like me not knowing the rules of the game that they were playing in a place that was insanely foreign mm. i was totally connected to those kids and totally related to those kids mm. in that moment so like i guess to finish up it's mm. kind of awesome it's a beautiful thing that kind of play not just educates us 
but it unites us, it connects us to each other across cultures, across age groups as well, and and most importantly connects us to the, the ecosystem that we're a part of and connects us to uh, the animal kingdom, which is a term that I'm probably going to stop using now. <laughs> yeah, we should discuss that. But I think that's a beautiful thing, and I, this has been a really fun topic to cover. Mm, it's a really nice topic to begin with because I think it's quite you know, universal. It's very broad. And I, I think that, you know, there are going to be so many subsets of play and so many specific things of play that we're probably going to look at mm. in the coming months uh, as we do more and more episodes of this. So thanks, guys. Yay. Yay. That was fun. That was fun. And thank you to all for listening this far. Uh, if you have any topics that you'd like us to cover or things that you're passionate about that you might think that we could get excited about as well, uh, hit us up on social media. You can reach us on Instagram at the Music and Everything Podcast and on Twitter at TMIE Podcast. So please get in touch. Let us know what you think. Give us a follow. And for now, it's goodbye from all of us. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. And uh, take care of each other and we'll talk to you soon. Bye.